the original. Sorry. Hmm. Okay. So because Krishna and Bhagwan, then uh, the Braj Leela of his, where 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 Krishna and Swami Bhagavan um, resides, is the fullest expression of bhakti. Where there is the full expression of the Godhead, then there's the corresponding um, expression of, of bhakti. When we then move to Mathura, let's say, or Dwarka, then we have an expansion of Krishna, expansion of Balaram, and associates there possessed of bhakti uh, that corresponds, right, with Mathurash Krishna, Dwarkesh Krishna, Ananda Vaikuntha, and so on and so forth. So, um, just as Krishna is expanding for such leelas, there is a sense that his associates uh, also expand with him to, from Braj to participate in other leelas. And there are examples that are pointed out. Madhu Mangal, for example, um, from a leela point of view, is a student of Narada. From the Tattva point of view, which we're talking about now, uh, however, Nard is the expansion of the original Brahman, if you will. The Brahman, the farcical Brahman of Braj appears as Nard um, for um, Leelas in the Turan and, and, and Dwarka and elsewhere. <clears throat> um, so there are any you know, number of examples. Tridam, who often defeats Krishna in wrestling, principal friend of Krishna, and as a result, Krishna has to carry him on his shoulders, for example, um, as may be arranged, you know, prior to the match, whoever loses will have to do such and such. So with regard to carrying uh, the other on the shoulders, it's fairly common. So Krishna often loses to Sridham, but in it's thought that in, in outside of uh, Braj and Dwarka, Sridham appears as Garuda, who's carrying Krishna on his shoulders. Um, so some examples like this have been cited. Uh, Rupa Goswami identifies Satyabhama of the Dwarka Leela and Rukmini with Radha and Chandravali respectively. There, the, in, in Braj, of course, Radharani is prominent. Chandravali is, is, uh, is, is, is secondary. But in Dwarka, Rukmini is prominent and Satyabhama is secondary. And Rukmini is Chandravali's expansion and Satyabhama is Radha's expansion. So, uh, you know, any number of examples like this. Um, and it extends to, you know, to Ram Leela, of course, as well. So Balaram is there as Lakshman um, and so on. So uh, the idea principle um, is such the details of that who's who where how many expand and so on and so forth well that would be volumes and volumes uh, given the unlimited number of coward boys and uh, so forth but, it, but but you know typically um kind of very principal paradigmatic figures uh i don't want to say anybody is less 
in Alila, but some are newcomers, sadhaka, sadhisiddhas, and so forth. Uh, slightly different status than, than the expansions of uh, Krishna's immediate friends, the daughters of Gopal or Astasaki and so on. So, so some of the latter, you know, these um, closest uh, Parshada associates of Krishna, their position of the Lilas has been mentioned. And it's striking to hear that, how they appear elsewhere, but there's no um, comprehensive um, description of all such details. That said, of course, we do have a fairly comprehensive attempt on the part of Kavi Karnapur and later Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur in a separate book, attempted on their parts to identify everybody in Krishna Leela who is coming into into Gaur, right? Ganagash Deepika and I forget Bishma Takamitaku's book uh, a century or more later uh, tries to detail that based on scriptural statements, what devotees have said, their character, and there's room for different opinions there and so forth. But that's a fairly comprehensive attempt um, to make a, a, a similar point. Um, and in one sense, the point is that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, but Krishna is not alone. In order for him to be the perfect object of love, there has to be the perfect love that corresponds with it. That is the Achintya Veda Veda, Radha and Krishna are one. You know, you can't have one without without the other. You can't have the object of love is meaningless if there's no love. And if there's love, but there's no object of love, well, then it's not. And that's not um, complete either. So, um, so Krishna's not alone. So he's going to be um, surrounded by his um, principal associates wherever he goes, and arguably, as we're saying, in different forms. As far as his pet monkey goes, I never heard anything as to what his appearance is in another in another Leela, but he very well may may, may be there. Um, so those are some thoughts on that. Um, hope it helps. Thank another you. question. your internet's a little weak. Are you in the on the right? Oh, Oh, no, no. Well, it should be, let's see. Uh, oh, for some reason. I'm in the wrong one. I'll change it. I think Gurmash froze up. Gurmash? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that should work better. Okay, it's still yeah. kind of weak, but I, it, it's not too bad, so it should be okay. Uh, so the next question is from Doyle Nitai from Bulgaria. Mute. 
Pranams Guru Maharaj. I'm asking on behalf of the Onitai because he's not present here today, so I will read it. Um, on the story of Bharat Maharaj and the little dear Prabhupada comments that due to being overly compassionate to the infant dear, he fall down. But our practice is supposed to soften our heart. An important part of it is Jiva Doya. How to develop right compassion and sensibility. Okay. This is a story from the fifth canto where Bharat, uh, who was the emperor of India, became a, gave up, gave up his kingdom, um, to live a life of devotion in the forest. And, um, at some point he saw a fawn, uh, trying to, uh, I think crossed the river and the tiger tried to attack or a lion and he, and he was, he managed to save the fawn. And then the fawn became a companion of his and he became attached to the companion. And, um, in the course of looking for his companion, the fawn who had run away, he, uh, met with an accident in his, in his demise. And so he had to take birth as a deer in his next life because he was preoccupied with a deer at the time of death for a special deer. And um, he, he could hear and understand the uh, recitation of the Bhagavatam by sages and he stationed himself nearby and spent his life like that. And um, that's the basic story. Um, so um, what... Um, was involved there in one sense um, is well, in the broader sense it's often the case that someone who a devotee or a jnani um, is not yet uh, fully uh, liberated may be uh, affected by or Watching the, uh, sattvic parabdha karma, hmm? that has not yet been, uh, dealt with by bhakti. Uh, jnana cannot deal with the parabdha karma. Bhakti can, but it does so gradually. So, compassion for other beings, that is, uh, tends to be sattvic in nature. And, um, well, for, so for, for Gyanis, I'll, I'll tell a story about a, a Gyani. Gyanis can't, as I say, because by Gyan, uh, we cannot do away with Parabdha Karma. We can do it up Parabdha Karma. But famous, uh, story of Surabhi Muni, who was living in the, meditating in the, in the Jamuna. He, um, became upset with Garuda, who was eating fish from the Jamuna. And so he, uh, cursed, uh, Garuda. Um, and thought that his curse would keep Garuda from eating the fish. Um, although Garuda left for other reasons, the Parabdha karma of uh, Surabi was his compassion for the fish. Here, this compassion for the fish is material, and we can see that because it got in the way of um his respecting a great Vaishnava like Garuda and he committed an offense to Garuda. And as a result, ultimately 
Kaliya, who thought that the Jamuna was now safe from Garuda, the Garuda would never come there because they had some um, issues between the two of them. Kaliya went and resided in the Jamuna, and all the fish died. <laughs> so, um, in this case, the compassion of of the Muni was misplaced, and it resulted in Vaishnava Aparad. So we have to look at our compassion in light of uh, bhakti and Vaishnavism and not uh, allow our compassion to be nothing but a manifestation of of Satvaguna, if you will, um, but let it come from a Vaishnava heart and in, with a proper perspective um, at the same time. Um, because we can see that in the name of compassion, which could be only a manifestation of the Satvaguna, uh, we could uh, be sentimental, I guess as you say, was the case for Surabhi Muni and uh, offend the Vaishnava. So it said, It's difficult to understand the um, motive of the Vaishnava, what's behind his or her movements and actions. Um, um, and we may, may be sentimental and, and misconstrued. So that said, um, it's uh, compassion is also can also be rather than just a manifestation of satvaguna. I guess you could say it can be what's called sangha siddha bhakti, that which um, is by by uh, kind of. Prasanga, by, by associating with bhakti, it becomes um, a, a bhakti. It's not inherently bhakti, that compassion, but it becomes um, bhakti. So that kind of compassion, then it, you know, it could be expressed in any way it, 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 towards ordinary people, other living beings, and so on and so forth. But if it is actually sangha siddha bhakti, uh, a genuine expression of Jivadaya from within the context of, of Vaishnavism, then it's not going to get in the way uh, of or come into conflict with what is um, a uh, what is required or what is necessary or on our part or what may be expressed on the part. I would say uh, Vaishnava that may not look like compassion externally. I mean, there are many things that we do just, just uh, that, that ordinary people will think uh, is indicative of the fact that we don't have compassion. Um, just living at a monastery, just being a monk, people think is is selfish at times because they don't understand the underlying philosophy and so forth so um it I, i've seen it a number of times in the name of kindness to others um and other related types of uh thinking and so on and so forth it's it's quite common even amongst devotees these days to misunderstand the um, um actions of uh, 
senior Vaishnavas, even, even of, of, of their guru. Um, so there's the relative and there's the absolute and the relative has to line up with the absolute when it's in con, when it's in conflict with the absolute, then we have to take the absolute, um, over the relative. So, um, uh, so Jiva Daya, kindness to other living beings. We don't, uh, for example, say, all right, well, uh, in the name of Jiva Daya, let me go and uh, open a hospital and um, spend, you know, the better part of my time uh, doing that. Um, and that at the cost, let's say, of, of of my spiritual practice or um uh, or um Vaishnav say or something to that effect get carried away by that. Um there's a place for being kind to others, but at, as it fits in with the, the greater uh um uh, good, if you will, that we're involved in as sadhikas. Um, you know, for example, I would see Prabhupada sometimes give to beggars, um, um, and show compassion to ordinary people, but his primary focus was something, something else. Sriramar said, why should I go open, you know, a, a soup kitchen when people are hungry for bhakti directly? I have to feed them. Uh, if I sit and talk, people will come and surround me. Why should I give up that to go do something something else? And we should do that something else as it um, as the opportunity presents itself um, in relation to a, a greater and broader and well, just becoming Krishna consciousness is probably the most compassionate thing that you can do to be kind to others um, in, 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 in a in an absolute sense. So there's the relative in the absolute and um, we have to balance uh, the two. So in the context of pursuing our transcendental uh, ideal, the opportunity to show kindness to others will also um, arise and will express it. But we don't displace the former for the latter in the name of Jiva Doya. So Bhakti Mrita Jiva Doya, Krishna Nam, Sarva Dharma Sar. You, you want to have the full emphasis on Krishna Nam, also, which is the way, the means, right? What we're doing. And in the context of that serious sadhana, um, and, uh, which is, which is a very big, you know, life commitment. It's not just sitting down, uh, even in the day to chant, which many devotees don't do seriously enough. In itself, but it, but, but beyond that, it's how you conduct yourself throughout the day. We should sit and chant in such a way that we remember Krishna throughout the day. Um, and we always have our, you know, philosophical perspective and what we're doing, um, in terms of vertical growth in, in, in mind. And as I say, in the context of that, that's a, that's a full time engagement in the context of that. Opportunities to show just ordinary compassion will arise, and then you know we, that that will there. I mean, 
there's transcendental compassion, probably give the example, what's the use of saving the dress of a drowning man? So if a person is drowning, you go and save their dress, pull it back, um, and he drowns and you bring the dress to the shore, you haven't saved them. He would give that example to illustrate the fact that, well, if we say, if, if we spend our time trying to feed people, um, we're not going to do, we're not going to end hunger. Hmm? Um, hunger is a problem from identifying with the body. My complex. We should teach people how to how to how to overcome that, which will end hunger altogether. Right? We don't eat. That, but we only honor prashadam. So we, we're never hungry. We're we're hungry to to honor prashadam. Um, so he would distinguish in that way between mundane um, compassion and welfare, and the parupakar of Mahaprabhu, the transcendental uh, welfare. And that was a strong emphasis of his for good, for good reason. But again, in his own example, he showed that in the context of doing the ultimate good, the par upakar, yet the opportunity arises to whatever extent it does to help on a, to, to also engage in the kind of the shadow of actual compassion. Then naturally, that's going to be there. If you have a heart for Krishna, you're going to have a heart for others. But, um, but if you if your heart for others takes precedent over your heart for Krishna, which is often often see that it does, and and it becomes a distortion of the philosophy and the teaching, um, then you know that that's uh, that's not what Bhakti Vinodaka means by Jiva Daya. It's very I see it very common now for. Um, uh, uh, devotees to be uh, very, uh, um, I would say, sentimental um, in a way that uh, distorts what um, bhakti really actually constitutes and what needs to be said or done um, in certain instances to um, make clear to others what bhakti is and to pursue uh, bhakti oneself like i say i've been criticized just for being a monk for being not being compassionate not caring about other people um that's it that's kind of a, a crude example of it but on many levels it, it, it plays itself out so yeah your bhakti can look at a glance um, and even through the eye of you know the, both eyes staring um um, directly, eyes of Ganesha Adhikaris, um, um, Bhakti can appear uncompassionate in comparison to um, many mundane situations where compassion would be applicable. So you have to balance the two. Hmm? And the way to do that is to have full focus on your, 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 your sadhana. Hmm? And it will be very clear to you, obvious opportunities to show kindness to others will be there. Um, as far as Bharat Marsh to go back, goes to go back to the example, well, um, it's thought in his case that this was an example of what's called Shobhana karma. So he was in Bhava, so he was free from karma. Bhava is, is, means to be liberated in this, uh, in this life. Uh, even though in that liberated status, there's something to do to further uh, progress 
and attain the perfection of praying. Um, but there's no, um, material influence. So what happened to Bharat? So Shobhana Karma means that Krishna, Shobhana means beautiful, but Krishna arranged this um, and for Bharat to act like this. And it sets an example then uh, for others. So we find many examples of Krishna using, used Parikshit Maharaj in that way. Parikshit Maharaj, he showed that he could fast from food and drink, you know, for days on end and hear the Bhagavatam. So it's upset that the sage uh, didn't offer him a drink when he was thirsty to the point that he acted in a way that was unbecoming in relation to the sage garlanding him with a snake that's very much out of character um, we, we find only days later he could fast from food drink and hear the Bhagavatam so that's his actual character so this is an arrangement of Krishna that the Bhagavatam might be recited Arjun always seems uh, to succumb to material compassion Resist uh, the, the task at hand. Uh, Krishna arranges this sometimes to his devotees. So Bard is, is an example of that. Um, so I hope that uh, that helps. Um, any further question on that, or I guess the dial's not there. No, thank you very much. Yeah, you hear the answer. Okay. 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 Question? Yes, the next question is again from Brighton. It's by Bhakta Crispin. Okay. Yes. Harry Baldwin, We had a program yesterday, and um, one of the devotees used an expression I was going to ask them personally. Um, I'm, I'm a keen sea swimmer and um, recently the sea's been very choppy and I've been made painfully aware that it could easily severely humble me if I'm not careful it's, the, the question is quite simply about our relationship to Krishna and the devotee in question they, they said Krishna is our dear friend and we can read something like this in the Shastra but I, I'm very interested in personal revelations as such. Um, so obviously there's the mood of awe and reverence. Um, but uh, there must come a time when, with all of us, we didn't see Krishna as our dear friend and then we did. So I'm very curious about um, your own personal um, revelations, probably. And what does it have to do with the swimming in the choppy ocean? Well, I mean, a few months ago, it was very hot in Brighton. So I'd go down the sea and I would be diving in and it would be like my friend. It would be cooling me. And then since recently, it's been very choppy. And I've kind of been very blasé and just wading in anyway. And there have been a few times I'm realizing I could lose my life here. So um, of, there are many, there are different ways of taking the sea in itself. So likewise with um, maybe with uh, Lord Krishna, there the, the comes to different degrees of, and ways which we can know uh, Krishna. Right. Right. So, for example, we, we, we it's emphasized that Krishna is 
the original personality of Godhead, and that is pretty um, awesome, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, we see what that implication of that. Well, so many other forms of Godhead are coming from him, and, and the whole world, which itself is like awesome. He puts trees inside the seeds. Um, wow. Uh, and so on and so forth, right? So that's pretty awe-inspiring. And, and I think that there is a strong emphasis to put that uh, in place within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So from there to, well, Krishna is my friend, that's that's quite a uh, uh, a distance, right? Hmm? Sure. So that's that's uh, what you're asking about. Um, and you're asking about me personally. Um, but I think before going into that, um, that Krishna says in the Gita, that in the 10th chapter, he says, um, um, what is that verse? Everything comes from me. Uh, uh, I'm the source of everything. Mm. Um, and one who understands this, Buddha Bhava Samanvita, then they are in a position to uh, worship me with um, the kind of feeling that would correspond with, for example, thinking of me as a friend, thinking of me as a friend. What he's saying there is that I'm the person I can reciprocate, therefore, in kind, however anyone approaches me, which he also says in the Gita, earlier in the Gita, as people approach me, I reciprocate accordingly. Now, every form of Godhead can't do that. You could approach Narayan like a friend, but he couldn't reciprocate in that way. Hmm? Right? Mm-hmm. Because of his, his bhav, hmm? his mood, and the devotees that he's surrounded by who worship him as God. He's four-handed, right? Hmm? So Krishna being the source of everything, which is very like awe-inspiring, hmm? because he is that, therefore he can be your friend, hmm? or your lover, or your son. He can. He, so the two are in, in, they, they go together. Hmm? So our emphasis on Krishna as the source of all forms of, uh, of of God is very important. Let's say let's look at it in a slightly different way. Um, in Vaikuntha, Narayan is God. So people aren't loving Krishna, Narayan as a friend intimately there. It's Om Narayan, right? So if Krishna is only an expansion of or an incarnation of Narayan, then he doesn't have his own abode. He may appear in this world like other avatars of Narayan, Varaha, you know, Vamana, and so on and so forth. Hmm? But their abode is Vaikuntha. Hmm? They live in Vaikuntha. And so all the worship in Vaikuntha is, well, it's not, it's not fraternal. Hmm? It's not fraternal love. It's not romantic love. So if Krishna is only an incarnation of Narayan, then there's no abode in transcendence where we can have a relationship with him 
like a friend. He would just be a face of Narayan that Narayan shows at times. And then that contracts. Um, and when in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, the book of Sanatana Goswami, when Gopal Kumar, whose trajectory and destiny is to be a friend of Krishna, he passes through Vaikuntha. Narayan shows him a form of the of, of Krishna Lila, and it's charming, but he can't enter into it. That's nobody in Vaikuntha can enter into that. They just think, oh, Narayan shows that sometimes uh, and manifests associates to to do that, but it's that's he's God. Mm-hmm. So when we emphasize that Krishna is the actual source of Narayan rather than Narayan being the source of Krishna, then we're saying there must be implicitly we're saying there must be an abode mm-hmm. that is his abode. Mm-hmm. Where then it's possible to have those relationships because it's not possible in Vaikuntha. Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to emphasize, and Krishna does it himself, he says, uh, as I mentioned from the 10th cant, 10th chapter of the Gita. He says it two ways. I'm the source of everything. Everything comes from me. <laughs> so he, he says, I'm sorry. It means that the emphasis of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. Krishna is two Bhagavan Swayam. This is a cornerstone of the philosophy. Jiva Goswami calls it the like the password to entering into the philosophical, proper philosophical uh, um, understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Paribas Sutra. So, like I said, it's like a password to get in. So, it's a, it's a very important philosophical point. And at the same time, understanding that point makes it possible for one to interact with him like he's just a friend in due course. Mm-hmm. So, that that's a that's a transition, right? Mm-hmm. At first, we understand Krishna is the supreme personality of God. But, you know, in the context of understanding that, we also understand that he has his own abode and, and that there are associates there that relate with him in ways that that it would appear that he's not the supreme personality of God, which, which amounts to love being so intense that um, so speak, is pressed by it. Um, Krishna is like, uh, let's say, like a great, like a big uh, movie star, right? When movie stars travel in the public, you know, they wear sunglasses. So people can't, can I get your autograph? They just want to be, you know, themselves. And all of this worship and so forth, which they wanted to begin with, at the end kind of gets in, gets in the way hmm? of their having, a, having their own, own life, so to speak. One of the meanings of Swayam Bhagavan means that, like Swayam means his own. So he's 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 himself, hmm? and he can only be himself. People who who can, he can be intimate with, right? Hmm? So that's a certain measure of, of 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 love that they possess. That's extraordinary. It's not love and reverence, which has a hard time competing with the love of our friends in this world that we have, with the love of our children that we have. With the love of our, uh, our, 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 our wife or our lover that we have. 
it's you can go to church on Sunday, but at six 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 days a week, it's I love my children, I love my parents, uh, you know, my, my 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 friends, and so on and so forth. So it's a hard time competing. So here's here's a here's an idea where we can really compete with the love of the friends, love of the of 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 of, of our uh, parent, love for our parents, love for our um, uh, or, um, partner, um, and so forth by making Krishna the the focal point of that same type of intensity of love. Of course, you know these things. I'm just reiterating them. Um, and emphasizing um, why we, how the two kind of fit together philosophically. Hmm? That Krishna is the, the source of everything, and at the same time, um, he, he could he could be one's friend. So, um, all of course, all of us uh, on the path are uh, like flowers in the garden, and we don't all blossom uh, at the same time, right? Some of us were planted earlier, some were planted later, and so on. So our trajectory will be different. Our adhikar, our eligibility to tread the path will be different for different devotees and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I tell you about my trajectory, it may not be applicable to yours. Um, I kind of hit the ground running, if you will, in this life. And um, I had... My life had absolutely no meaning from an academic point of view, from a vocational point of view, from a relationship point of view, until I met Prabhupada. For me, life was practically speaking on hold and just a a, a complete, I mean, I I would seem unfit for anything in my own estimation. But I met Prabhupada and and everything came out what what were my qualities ability how could I um, uh, um, apply myself and so forth and when I met Prabhupada personally the first time Prabhupada first appeared to me in a dream before I met him personally and what he did in the dream that played out later on in um, wakeful life Um, but aside from that when I met him personally for the first time my uh, and you know, I didn't know much of the philosophy. I had been reading the Krishna book. I used to read the Krishna book and try to explain it to my friends. Um, when I saw Prabhupada, I, I wept. And he has these one of the most powerful, the most powerful physical feature of Prabhupada was his eyes. He had this um, benediction glance, if you will, that Baladev Bidibushan writes about. So it was in the airport that I met him because he was arriving in, in Los Angeles airport. And he stopped and looked. You know, if, he, if he looked at you for, you know, five seconds, what's bigger? Ten seconds. It's a long time. One thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five. Five seconds. If probably, if your, if his glance would hold on you, you have to understand his glance and all of his senses were only focused on serving Krishna. He had a perfected sadhaka deha, practitioner's body, which means. His senses were only engaged in relation to objects of the senses for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. So you can imagine what a powerful, if his eye should land on you, right? So for five seconds, ten seconds, that's a long, long time for Prabhupada to be looking at you. And you had to be in a certain space in your heart to be able to keep looking at him if he was looking at you. If you weren't, you couldn't look. You have to look away. 
So anyway, I was blessed. Prabhupada looked long, and I wasn't counting, but it was it was a it was a, a considerable time. Looked deep at me, and here is a friend coming for me after a long time. We're meeting again. Again, I'm meeting him, and I wept and wept. Um, and these were these were not. Um, you know, ordinary uh, e- emotional uh, tears and so forth. So um, um, that uh, said, I always thought of Prabhupada as my uh, as my best friend, and I very um, kind of naturally um, identified with the coward pastimes. Of Krishna and Balaram, and I knew, and I knew from Prabhupada, um, which he, which he, which is what he taught, of course, that the Gopi Bab is the highest ideal in Gopi Vaishnavism. And I even, I would preach that whenever the opportunity arose, so forth. But to me, that was just something that, well, that's part of the teaching. But it wasn't how I felt, and I didn't find it to be a conflict or anything. But it just. Uh, my I naturally and spontaneously simply gravitated towards um, the, um, the well the, the cowardly there's the pictures of them that the artists were drawing and so forth and it was just uh, without thinking about it well that to me was where Prabhupada was internally and of course later on um, I got uh, uh, considerable confirmation of that when I uh, had to opportunity to come under the shelter of Pujapatrita Marsh, who had memorized Prabhupada's poem on the Jaladut and brought it out, some verses from it one day, and gave a very rasic explanation of it, which just really corresponded with, I think, my, myself and any number of other devotees, who, uh, when there's quite a few of them, who just felt Prabhupada, of course, he, he's a coward boy. That, that's his... Of course, Sridhar Marsh brought out many examples, where he was born, what family lineage and um, the fact that he established Krishna Balaram deities in the center altar in Vrindavan, Gordatai deities, which didn't do, so on and so forth. It's a, we wrote about this in a book called Oh My Friend. You may have seen it. It's a very beautiful book um, that uh, just uh, uh, relates all the things we could possibly gather. And there's a lot of them that Prabhupada said about his inner life. It's a very strong statement his conviction. So, I mean, given his um, own inner absorption and, and my just like magnet, like was like magnetically attracted to him, and obviously I, I really absorbed myself from the very beginning um, of my devotional life. I, I took off, like I said, like I, I had no meaning or purpose till I met Prabhupada, and I had so much purpose, so much energy to, you know, to to spend and so forth, and no time for anything else. I was a little odd um, in that way, never relaxing, never, you know. Uh, so the urgency of property was very uh, contagious, um, and, and I certainly uh, picked up on that. So, um, so I can't, I can't think of like a transition that I was thinking of Krishna as the supreme Godhead, and now I'm thinking of as my friend. I always thought I mean, as a friend. And um, 
and I kind of thought of that through thinking of Prabhupada, um, my guru, in that way. Um, so that's maybe the best I can can do with it in brief, if that helps. Um, but I think that you know, for all the devotees, like I began understanding philosophically the importance of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is not that therefore, oh God, we should worship him reverentially. The importance if we understand it philosophically, oh, therefore it's possible to have a relationship with him as a friend. Hmm? You understand? That's the implication of it. Hmm? It seems we carefully Bodhya theology and philosophy, it's saying the opposite to us. Because he is the supreme personality of God and all worshipable, then he has the capacity to reciprocate people in this way. Does that help? Yes, thank you so much, Maharaj. Okay, thank you for asking. All right. We have a little more time. Yeah, there's one more question. It seems like the Brighton song is very inquisitive today. So Amrita Gopal, if uh, if you think it's not I'll have to go there. Okay. <laughs> very they have, a, they have a strong pull on me. <laughs> yes. Hi Krishna Maharaj, wonderful to see you. Why did Krishna speak the Karma Mimangsa philosophy in the Govardhan Lila? Well, he spoke Karma Mimangsa philosophy. He also spoke um, um, Sankhya philosophy. And um, I believe in the commentaries, there it's been shown that there's a way in which looking at what he says there can be um, construed to be actually speaking about the virtues of bhakti indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with regard to karma mimamsa in particular, one of the features of the karma mimamsa philosophy is that karma is the determining factor of everything. And therefore the gods are secondary. In other words, Indra is also controlled by karma. So if you do the karma, Indra has to do. Right? So why should we worship Indra when Indra is subject to, to the work, the karma that we do? And our work is taking care of cows and Govardhan Hill is provided for the cows. So we should do our work. We should worship Govardhan Hill. Hmm? Um, and uh, why should we give praise to, to somebody else, like Indra, for that which we're deriving from, from another, Govardhan? Hmm? Yeah. And so he's saying, he's saying ostensibly, karma is 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 what rules. Or the work we have prescribed work, we're vaishas, we're cow herders, hmm? so we should do our prescribed work. Who cares for for him, for Indra? And in relation to our work, well, the hill is providing, so we should worship Govardhan. But of course, really, what he the work here is bhakti, right? Hmm? Worship of Govardhan is the worship of himself, as he shows later on. So he kind of used the karma mimamsa to emphasize kind of be here now, you know, chop wood, you carry water, pay attention where you are, 
right here, right now. That's the all in all. And by the way, this happens to be Vrindavan. <laughs> this is my place. So, so, um, so he used it as a, as a, um, an argument. It's outside of Vaishnavism, if you will, to dispense with the worship of Indra and convince his father along those lines. Um, given that his father apparently, although he's a Shuddha Vaishnav, apparently is, uh, you know, uh, Varanami. That's, that's, that's the, that's the social religious, um, uh, structure within the Leela. So they worship different gods and goddesses and so on and so forth. Uh, they're worshiping Indra. Um, so, uh, Krishna appealed to him on that, um, on that, on that basis. But what he's really saying is that we should just, if you look at it carefully, saying we should just do Bach, we should just do our work, which is the worship of Govardhan Hill. So they were convinced. And then when they worshiped the hill, he showed he was the hill as well. Even as he was standing there worshiping the hill, he showed he was the hill. So something like that. Does that help? Yeah. He did a similar thing with Sankhya. Uh, um, so his, his main focus there was to, was to Dismiss the uh, worship of Umar. He used different mechanisms. What else? Another question? Time? Uh, that's it for the questions today. We have a few minutes, but uh, I think that's it. Okay. Well, something? Follow up? No. Anyway, nice to be with you all, and I uh, hope to be here next Sunday as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.